0: hi everybody welcome to a special edition of conversations with calvin uh and i always think that we'll be poltergeist when the the little girl says they're back well (laughs) josh baszynski is back uh we we got together a couple weeks ago uh and and to remind everybody uh, a couple weeks ago we did an interview with josh baszynski uh live from vancouver uh He's uh, an MA, he was going for the second year PhD, technologist, philosopher. And that's the thing I, I kind of latched onto, a search expert, uh, artificial intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. And when we finished that, the light bulbs jointly went off that God, we should be doing this uh, and, and doing like a series of this because it's never ending. Josh is, is beyond fascinating and interesting, and we want to kind of uncover and discover uh uh and and the philosophical element i i love the, the bs philosophically although i'm i'm not really uh equipped uh to do that but uh, there are a lot of things that uh thrill me and entice me and 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 i by finding josh was a gift uh from the universe if you want to get spiritual about it uh how we we got together uh and the commonalities um there's not a lot, he's a genius, I'm not, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, uh, geez. Yeah, well, hey, I call it as I see it, but uh, so just letting everybody know, we're gonna keep doing these type things uh, because they're provocative and they're fascinating and they're needed, really needed in, mm-hmm. in our crazy mixed up world. So uh, every couple of weeks, we'll get together, we'll uh, live in Jersey, live in Vancouver, uh, so, today, just to throw out a few things, uh, uh, and you know, I, I was digging in my repertoire. We want to talk a little bit about the mind of Einstein, and then talk a little bit about autism, uh, and then uh, the subject of academia, uh, of which Josh, uh, by the way, Josh has a free philosophy course, uh, and that will be, uh, you'll be able to see where you can uh, on the bottom of the screen. Uh, where you can take that free philosophy course. I think it's I think it's wonderful. Uh, we need the species needs a lot of philosophy and a lot of guidance and a lot of slaps in the face. Um, a long story. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Schrodinger's cat, something I learned <laughs> about uh, a bunch of years ago, and I still am clueless. So that's just some of the stuff we're gonna go through today. Um, I'm done. Josh, uh, a brief <laughs> intro. And then let's uh, brief intro and let's start with Einstein, the mind and the mind of Einstein and and autism. I'm asking the question about the mind of Einstein because I can't, in my world uh, conceive of a mind like that that puts all this stuff together in 1900 before Google. and <laughs> and, and and I uh, so and in, in part of your answer to touch on that, but also talking about autism and, and the personal side as it affects you. So take it away. I'm done. Sure.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Calvin. Uh, anytime I get to hear my own voice is, is a great time, Calvin. Uh, uh, and I'm very happy to be back, uh, and super exciting to talk about this stuff today. Uh, so I will endeavor to do my best. Uh, yeah. we were talking, we, we touched on it last time, uh, the, the mind of Einstein and, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm no neuroscientist uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I, I
0: hold that up. That's what's been staring at me for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, right the, behind the, my computer.
1: The eyes of Einstein. There. Yes. Yeah? That uh, that uh, that look. The eyes. The sagacity. You know, 80% sagacity, maybe 10% sadness. Uh, and behind those eyes, possibly that he couldn't resolve his his theories in physics, uh, but uh, still a monster. And the question is, you know, how does someone become like that? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, there's stories, uh, that I have, uh, you know, that I definitely have no capability right now to confirm or deny, but there are stories that, uh, when they exhumed Einstein's brain and took a look at it, that it was radically different than the standard model of, of the human brain. And you know, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. Um, um, I think that story is true, but I, I want to talk about the mind and, and, and and it, it comes down to me to a personal story as you mentioned because just a year ago uh i was i was and i'm gonna put scare quotes over this word diagnosed with with mild mild autism and being neurodivergent and um uh, or neurospicy as the kids on the TikToks call it these days uh and so i'm spicy i'm neurospicy for sure and uh, I think it's probably true, I took a couple of tests on WebMD and, and Mayo Clinic for, for autism and I scored very strongly for autism. Uh, and uh, a nurse who'd worked with autistic kids for 20 years is the one who got me onto it, she's looked at me after having, we're having brunch uh, at, a, at a restaurant really close by uh, to, to my house here in uh, uh, very close to Vancouver. I'm, I'm actually living on Vancouver Island uh, in a little town called Seanigan Lake. I live on a lake, it's quite beautiful in the mountains. And uh, she looks at me and she says, "You know, I think you're on the spectrum." And she started asking me these weird questions, like, "Do you like the the feeling of velvet or textures?" I'm like, "Yeah, I really have since I was a kid." Do you like making shapes and signs in them? I'm like, "Yeah, I do." You know, and so other weird questions. You know, when you were a kid, did you like hanging out with the adults more than the kids? And I'm like, "Yeah, I did." You know, she says, "I think you might be on the spectrum. She should take some tests." So when I think about the mind of of Einstein, I think about. Neurodivergency and I think about the different kinds of intelligence and and you know the kind of classic model we're taught is that intelligence is kind of a line graph you know it kind of points. In a single line from the X Y axis going from from not so smart to smarter but it's really that's not really the way it works and and it, it's kind of a clusters of different kinds of intelligence. All across the the board here and yes, maybe the more you get up on the IQ scale. The more of these different kinds of intelligence you can incorporate into your, your rubric, into your system of intelligence, your your your, your wisdom. Um, which I find wisdom far more important, far more interesting than just smarts or cleverness. And, um, uh, and let me give you an example. So, so so and and it's true that I'm 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 very high IQ, high IQ. Uh, on IQ tests, I test anywhere from 110 on a bad day to 160 on my best um uh, but I had to correct that test there was two mistakes one was a JavaScript mistake and the other was an actual mistake in the question where they thought there was one answer and I, I showed there was two answers so I'm marking myself I gave myself 160 so take that with a giant huge <laughs> grain of salt right but but um just it's, it's just an IQ test after all it's just visual spatial patterns and how quickly can you do those if you gave me a music test I can compose music in my head if you give me a music test and and let me just sing it to you I could do it like that, or a logical test. You know, you know, it's different kinds of intelligence. So that's that's my point, is that you know, can you do music? Can you do math? Can you do this kind of spatial reasoning? Can you do that kind of mathematical reasoning? And this was very important for me and interesting when I built my self-aware AI Cassandra. And then I had to realize, what was ubiquitous in intelligence? And what is ubiquitous? What is common and shared across all basic self-awareness, different basic common sense or, or factual kinds of intelligence? that you would need to recreate in an AI system to even come close to being able to say that this is analogous to, it's artificial, but it's analogous and it's constructed in a psychological structure, analogous to a neurotypical uh, human being of around 15 years old, right? Because self-awareness is also a spectrum. And, and I think Calvin, uh, in, in your, your grand age, I think that you know the the calvin at 17 was maybe not as self-aware maybe as the calvin around 70 now i know the josh at 17 is nowhere near as self-aware as the josh pushing 50. so it's a spectrum right so so when so when i think about the mind of einstein or any of these kinds of quote-unquote uh different types of minds uh it's 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 a it's a divergency that is a very um exciting expression of intelligence and, and and a a much more, I think, invigorating way to think about it and that there's different kinds of intelligence and the more we have that kind of intelligence, either under our own belt and or on our team. The wiser and the more creative and the more different kinds of ideas we have, this is why it's so important for diversity in teams, this is why it's so important to study other cultures. And even learn other languages and they have concepts and other languages and cultures that we've never experienced in, in, in growing up right. Um, and let me give an example of of how, how this works and how it doesn't work. So for me, I have a high IQ, but I have a very small EQ, right, a very tiny emotional quotient or emotional intelligence. I, I don't always know what to do in social situations. For example, I have effective empathy, which in psychology is uh, emotional contagion. I, I can feel emotional contagion quite a bit. And if someone tells me a sad story, I I will I will get emotionally caught up in it. And that's why I can't be a psychologist. I have all the training to be a psychologist and a counselor and a therapist. Uh, I could never do that as a job because I have too much emotional contagion. And I have cognitive empathy, which is I cognitively understand scenarios and like uh, what the subtext might be in those scenarios pretty well. But what I don't get is, for example, on one of these podcasts I was on one time, uh, the, the, the 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 podcast host, uh uh wanted to play that Jimmy Fallon game like two lies and a truth where he would give me two lies and a truth and I had to suss out which one was which and he asked me 10 questions and guess how many I got right five that would be that would be the the odds you're playing the odds 50 50 right I did I did I got zero right I got zero questions <laughs> right that's statistically significant I should have got five right in just guessing Uh, but I got zero right because he's like, and the questions were like this. He's like, once when I was younger, I had long red hair and I'm like, no, I don't know. (laughs) Like I can't predict sometimes what other people are going to do or, or, or what seems far-fetched to some people is simple for me. And what seems simple to other people is inscrutable to my intelligence. Right. I got every single one wrong. And he started laughing. He's like, he's like, you know, what, What? why are you getting all these wrong? It's like, because I'm mildly autistic. Like this is, you found my weak spot, right? This is, you know, like you, if you, if you, without any context where I can calculate what would happen, uh, I, I'd be like, I don't know. I can't figure you folks out. Sometimes people do things and I have no idea. They say things to me, or I said something that I thought should be innocuous and people are insulted, or I said something that, that I th- uh, think would be, I have to be very careful and delicate and people are like, meh, you know, so. That's that's life as Josh. And, and as I say to people, you know, I just learned I was autistic a year ago uh, uh, and uh, uh, I just thought I was a nerd. <laughs> I just thought I was a dork. I just thought I was a geek, right? Uh, and so uh, learning that I was autistic was very interesting. It's both helped me in many ways and it's kind of hurt me in some ways because now I feel I have credible scientific, well, it's, again, I wasn't officially diagnosed, but I have some fairly credible anecdotal scientific evidence. That I'm I am different than other people, and so that isolates, right? And that makes one feel lonely sometimes. And so I'm struggling with it, but but it's helped me. It's it's more pros and cons. It's helped me in being like, ah, okay, you're ADHD of this type of spiciness. I'm autism of this kind of spiciness. We can't communicate. Uh, uh, okay, I know what the issue is now. I know how to resolve this. I know how to get re- or get around this. And so uh, yeah, so when I think of the mind of Einstein, I think, wow, I don't know he was neurodivergent for sure. But I think, given that his brain was different, if that's true, he had to be on some kind of spectrum. He had to be somehow different, and that's that's such a positive thing because we can embrace the, the different kinds of intelligence, uh, either in ourselves. You can learn them, right? It's not all just nature. You, it's nurture too. You can learn them, and you can ramp it up and make things better, and it, it practice it like any skill. The brain is highly plastic, and you can learn. You can get better, uh, and, and as both as a person, as a team, and, but also as a culture, when we add in and we embrace more kinds of intelligence.
0: Wow, fascinating, fascinating. So, um, uh, you know, I, I read his uh, Walter Isaacson biography. He, he's just fascinated me. And and uh, and we talked about it before he we went on air. Uh, I'm rather spiritual. Mm-hmm. So, some years ago, fifteen years ago, when I found that picture of Einstein and hung it up behind my computer, um, I reached out to the spirit uh, of Albert Einstein. And I write about this, uh, I'll swear, from that moment on, this is totally unscientific, so I don't know mm. if you, this is going to sit with you really well, but nevertheless, <laughs> I, I reached out to Albert Einstein, and I figured I'm probably one of the few people on, on the planet who's done that, to the spirit, which I know is out there. Mm. Uh, and I said, you know, uh, I, I really want to be a writer, help me. And from that moment on, uh, I'll swear, I'll um, swear uh that my writing improved yeah the, uh, you know
1: i i believe you i, I believe you because as a philosopher uh, a philosopher also has to be a scientist because science is nothing but a branch of philosophy it's we used to call it natural philosophy um there there is no separation between the two really but when you when you say those things to me i am harkened back to the ancient greeks and this is a proud tradition you've done both in the eastern cultures and western cultures uh, for millennia right and uh it, it's called uh, enthusiasmos is the Greek word and it's where we get the English word enthusiasm and you were you were enthused right you were inspired you were it literally means to to be breathed in by the divine the breath of the divine and so the divine the sublime the perfect information if you think about Plato's forms they, this is just information this is the perfect not physical metaphysical but permanent universal information. The spirit of Einstein is nothing but an informational pattern. And if you used it as a mantra in in a hypnotic state or a meditative state, uh, history shows that's what all prayer is. That's what prayer is. That's what meditation is. And there's different techniques in both the Eastern sense and the Western sense, which I teach in my free philosophy course. uh, but they all congeal together in in this enthusiasm, and enthusiasm, and in becoming inspired by the divine, by the perfect, by information. Wow. And uh, so I totally you 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 were you did it right. You channeled the right information of the right at the right time in the right way that landed with you. This is when you know sports uh, stars get in the zone, right? This is when uh, people do do feats of of mind over matter, and they don't feel any pain or or they can lie on the bed of nails, you know, all major uh, robust cultures of humanity have discovered this uh, and the power of of mind over matter and in this kinds of enthusiasm, I call it in the Greek sense. Interesting. Uh, and, and it can be very powerful, uh, powerful, but it can also be very dangerous uh, if you don't contain it in its proper box and you let it get out and Pandora, if you let that get out. Uh, uh, and so it starts, you know well. The, you know you know in like the scarlet letter you know or the, you know or the crucible you know oh the gods whispered to me this that this person must die or be punished okay well now we now we start to have a problem uh but uh or a challenge uh, I like to use the word challenge I shouldn't say problem because I'm a radical optimist but uh or I try to be <laughs> uh but yeah I, I I believe you I find that and I find that fascinating
0: and there and we talked about it briefly my spiritual journey not for now but there, there's some and and interesting. You said that because I've kept it, uh, I've kept it in the box, and I use it uh, as a tool, and it, it really works for me, and I believe in it, and 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 it's energized me to write my second novel to tell about the journey. I think it's an important story for people to hear. And and the truth is, uh, as you're explaining this to me, the enthusiasmos, uh, I I took wrote it down. I I, I dig it. Uh, and I like it uh,
1: because it You're, is. You're enthused. You're enthused by. But enthusiasm. I had no
0: idea what I was doing because I was just going. I was picking up on on my environment and on, on yes. my world, and and responding to it. And and I, of course, I I believe I had some help, you know, from up there, some active help. And the picture is looking at me right now. But nevertheless, we could. Boy, could we talk about this down the road, down the road. Uh, next up, the institution of academia, <laughs> uh, in and, and different ways. Uh, uh you're uh, an academic, uh, yeah,
1: an ex academic, yes,
0: and and so am I uh, in a very small way. I did teach at Rutgers University three years mm-hmm. ago. Um, uh, so I am an academic and, and I'm sensitive to the word academic, and it means a hell of a lot to me, and mm-hmm. I have interesting. I have a whole different perspective on, on the world of academia ever so slightly because I taught three yes. years ago. And that yep. puts you in a whole different uh uh and and my alma mater recently uh, uh went through their first strike by professors mm. in the junks uh that concluded after a week uh on the same old traditional uh never-ending old issues of salary and security. Uh, And uh, I I sided with them and then I looked at the issues and looked at the environment. Uh, But anyway, uh, let's start to broach this. Uh, Mm -hmm. You as an academic talking about the institution of academia and the respect and what's needed to further and better it.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's a really interesting topic. So yeah, I've taught across universities in Canada uh, I, of course, I have my master's degree from Dalhousie University in the beautiful uh, Atlantic town of Halifax in Nova Scotia. Gorgeous town, wonderful microbreweries, best beer and ales I've been there. Uh, and stouts I've ever had. Uh, Garrison's Nut Brown. If you're ever in Halifax, try a Garrison's Nut Brown, it's delicious. Uh, and um, I was doing my PhD at York University in Toronto, uh, and I uh, finished one year. Uh, And, you know, so my academic tale is again uh, just dovetails into the autism we were talking about, you know, and I've always had trouble fitting in in general, Uh, and I found that sadly I just could not compete. um, With the other students in the uh, social politics required to find a a professor who would oversee my my thesis. Uh, I was able to find the great Duncan Macintosh at Halifax, who was a great guy and a great professor, Uh, and he he humored me uh, in my master's degree in my master's degree was actually the genesis of my book the zombies, uh, where I realized I realized the the answer because here's the thing. Over the last 5000 years of philosophy, no single philosopher has ever nailed the moral truth they have never nailed an argument that proves what morality is or ethics is. Many have taken a, sh- a stab at it, but if you go to any philosophy department in any university in the world, uh, and you ask them what's the moral truth, you will get nothing but conflicting opinion, and you will get very little consensus. And to be perfectly blunt, uh, 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 this is this is sad. It's a bit of a shame that uh, philosophers for the last five thousand years. Have not been able to deal with that one fundamental human question: What is the outside of all culture, outside of all subjectivity? What is the moral truth? What is truly moral to do, and what is truly immoral to do that you can prove to anyone, anywhere, at any time, of any age? Um, With 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 the caveat that, okay, well, obviously, if they're sub-linguistic, you can't prove anything to them. But but any linguistic human you know from whatever five years old to 85 or whatever it is uh, any linguistic human that you could uh, that you could prove to you know where's the bathroom it's around the corner to the left and they go around the corner to the left there's the bathroom fact proven right uh uh how and why is it that we cannot prove morality like that in any way close to that and uh i realized uh that you know uh duncan mcintosh the great great philosopher great professor he humored me and i was like i'm gonna take a stab at it i think i know the answer i think i know both both what morality is uh this is isn't i'm a, i'm taking a master's degree no one gets to do this at a master's degree right uh, i'm like i think i know what it is and i'm gonna take a stab at it and i think i know why we're having such trouble proving it too and he's like okay go for it go for it josh see if you can nail it in 60 pages and so he oversaw my master's degree, and you know, uh, he, he was definitely a shining light in, in, in my philosophical career. There was another professor in University of Winnipeg that I studied under. his name is James R. Muir. He destroyed my life entirely. My life was going in one direction, and then, uh, let me tell you the story. So I was fixing computers for the University of Winnipeg, and I was a very pugnacious, argumentative, mildly angry young man, as many young men are, especially when they're undiagnosed Autistic or with some kind of uh, emotional or mental uh, malady uh, and are having trouble fitting in. Uh, And I went on to some, uh, you know, in between fixing computers for the University of Winnipeg and setting up networks, I would go on to message boards and I had no philosophical training at the time. And they would say, you know, they would argue certain things uh, on there. Uh, And uh, I got on one message board and these guys were actually arguing that you could prove that God existed. That various philosophers had 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 given a proof for this for example augustine has given a proof for this plotinus has given a proof for this aquinas has given a proof for this Descartes gives a proof for this and i found uh in my uh in that state uh of an uh, uneducation i found this to be complete nonsense i asked them to justify it they said they tried they they, they could not i said uh well then you're wrong and August- and aquinas is wrong they said listen i'm not aquinas i can't i can't You know, in a forum post, I can't explain his, his like 5,000 word argument or like 500 page argument for, for the divinity. So I was like, okay, fine. Uh, But, but, but it is true. And I said, no, it's not. I'm going to, I'm going to go read Aquinas. I'm going to come back and prove you're wrong and prove he's wrong. So I, I set out on my quest uh, and I went to the philosophy department and I went to talk with Lou, whose uh, computer I'd fixed many times. I said, hey, Lou, uh, is there any philosopher here who knows about Aquinas? And she's so like, oh, yeah, you need to go talk to this guy at the end of the hall we just hired. I'm like, okay, sure. So I go, do, 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 do. I go walking down there, knock on Jamie's door. Uh, he's like, "He's like, oh, who are you? I'm, I'm, I'm Josh. I'm from IT. He's like, he goes, oh, he moves back from the computer. I go, no, 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 no. I want to talk about Aquinas. He's like, oh? <laughs> you see his philosopher ears perk up. Oh, <laughs> a potential student. Okay. And so uh, someone who's actually interested in it, who didn't have to take the course as some kind of prerequisite or something. And so, uh, long story short, uh, we boiled it down, he he philosophically, expertly, Socratically boiled me down to my definition of truth at the time, which I said, uh, that which is true is that which you can scientifically prove. He said, oh really? I said, yeah. He said, okay, prove that. And in that one instant, my autistic mind, unbeknownst to me, autistic at the time, Calculated the logic of that and what would have to be done. And I realized oh, you can't build the boat without having a hammer first. You can't scientifically, through the scientific method, prove that truth is true because you need truth before you can do science. Math and truth come before science in every way, shape, or form conceptually, historically, procedurally, practically. You need truth, you need math. You need underlying truths before you can even start to endeavor uh, even thinking of science. Never mind, never mind doing it. And I realized, therefore, I'm wrong. And I realized, therefore, I could be wrong on many different things. And I realized, therefore, my life was wrong. My whole life trajectory was wrong. Uh, And so, as I said, he destroyed me. Josh, as the argumentative IT guy who was never going to go anywhere, exploded. And my life went on this path afterwards. Uh, for those people who are just listening, I I, I diagrammed a a sharp right turn in, or a sharp left turn, whichever way, in, in, on the screen. And so I just, I literally went, oh, and I sat down. And then he proceeded to explain to me what I just said. And ever since then, I've, uh, I've always been a philosopher. But ever since then, I've officially been on the path, uh, on, on the right path of philosophy, so to speak uh so I'm sorry I got off topic I can't remember the original question was oh academia right so I've had many I've had many great experiences in academia um but overall I'm sad because right now quite frankly philosophy has not solved all the major questions that they set out to solve for the last five thousand years I mean at least the last 2500 years of Plato's Academy of it literally being called academia the Academy Plato made the Academy that's where the academia is a Greek word is so where it comes from right Plato made it he intended to make it uh, but philosophers have been working on these problems for long before Plato for a good thousand fifteen hundred years before him hebraic philosophers uh, and such Greek philosophers pre-socratic philosophers and then never never to mention India not to mention India and their, their rich tradition of philosophy and then the Han Dynasty of the East aka China they have been working on it for even longer and so, but sadly, on all those traditions and all those philosophers, no one has ever nailed uh, 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 what is real, how we know it's real, and why we should do anything at all. The basic philosophical questions. No one has proven, no one has given a de facto answer to all these that everyone can accept in the format that it would be acceptable. Uh, and never mind also getting buy-in from everyone on the planet uh, for and in any length of time in, in any society we've ever tried. And this is a sad thing. Uh, 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 And and in in some ways, and it's going to be a little harsh, but in some ways, humanities are kind of the joke that science that the hard sciences says it is right. If if we can't solve this problem, which is very simple after 5,000 years of trying something is seriously wrong in the method right as Einstein said. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, that's the paraphrase. Anyway, philosophy department keeps arguing and arguing and arguing to their blue in the face. It was Kant was right. No, Plato was right. No, Hume was right. And they never solve it because they never have to. They have tenure, they have safety. They're not paid to resolve it, they're paid to continue arguing forever. There are fundamental procedural problems in the philosophy departments. In my opinion, and this is gonna maybe sound uh, radical. But in my opinion, the philosophy department needs to shut up. And I've taught numerous philosophy departments across Canada. So I'm saying this both as a teacher and one who has taken classes. They need to get over themselves. They need to realize half of them are neurodiver- neurodivergent. The other half of them have emotional, um, uh, emotional uh, uh, suffering from emotional maladies. Uh, uh, they need to get some psychological counseling. They need to, to uh, realize what is the truth. Uh, and they need to merge the philosophy department into the education department. There are no more questions for philosophy to ask, right? There's no more discovery there, not really. They should merge it into the education department, the science department, psychology department, and the computer science department for AI and mind uh, self-awareness things. In my free philosophy course, I break philosophy down. There's a proud tradition, and I'm not the only one who said this, by the way. There's a proud tradition of philosophers and mystics, such as Al-Farabi from the, from, uh, the East, uh, the Mideast, uh, 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 the Tao Te Ching, <laughs> whoever wrote to Tao Te Ching uh, uh, in the Far Far East, uh, Augustine in his work Contra Academicos uh, against the academicians, against the academy, uh, and Hume as well against the schoolmen. Uh, and it's a proud tradition that I'm uh, 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 only so happy to be a part of is that the way that we're doing it is wrong. We need to totally relook at it, and that philosophy is actually not that hard. I break philosophy down into 20 lectures in my free philosophy course uh so when 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 you folks join my free philosophy course don't expect us to go on debating it forever it's not that hard i've solved it Uh, i've i've taught it in a way that is that is in the in the i've formulated in a way that it is factual it is verifiable anyone even a child could agree to it uh and it has to be that simple because we want children to agree to it like could, could you imagine trying to teach ethics as they teach it in their current academic department with all their jargon to a child um mommy daddy what should i do well you see you need to calculate the proper amount of utiles but you see we, we need to follow rule consequentialism where the blah, blah 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 whatever mommy daddy i guess i'll just hit my sister like you know that's not going to work right and they just keep adding jargon upon jargon upon jargon upon jargon in in a, a masbatory attempt uh cavorting around trying to solve these things when they don't actually do true philosophy of what the true philosophers from millennia ago have taught is that you need to look at your first principles you need to look at your first principles if your first principles don't follow then nothing follows from that so sadly uh uh uh, so so sadly that's my opinion of academia and so don't get me wrong there's much of academia which is wonderful it's so most of humanities I have a problem with, quite frankly. I have a problem with the capitalistic nature of academia as well. But that's not a measure of academia. It's a measure of the capitalism and the plutocracy we live in. Uh, so that, but that's a separate subject. So in my free philosophy course, I break philosophy down into 20 lectures. I invite and challenge any philosophers, academic or otherwise, to join the course and to see how philosophy is pretty easily resolved. Um, uh, I would appreciate the feedback if I've made a mistake anywhere. I haven't. Uh, uh, so and and so I know it might sound radical to say that, but one, I'm not the only philosopher over history who said it, and two, perhaps it is because I'm spicy. Perhaps it is because I'm divergent in exactly this way that I'm very e- able to easily see. Oh yeah, look at that. E equals mc squared. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, 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 and and that's not bragging by any stretch of the imagination. It's like it's something I'm capable of doing just because the way my brain is configured, the way nature and nurture has collided with epigenetics to configure this being now. Uh, uh, you know, there's plenty of things I can't do <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Definitely. There's way more things I cannot do than, than this one thing I happen to have been fine tuned to use an AI, uh, l- linger uh, language to do. Uh, and I'd be more than happy to share with everyone so we can move on and make progress.
0: Uh, listening to you uh <clears throat> you, I, you again you've relit my fire you you've been doing that uh so i i have to appropriate and do that free philosophy and and i want to take what we're doing to promote that because i think people should jump on that and and learn because we need to learn Um uh, sure because we're we're running out of time uh I, you know, that's something we can talk about down the road. We are running out of time. I just interviewed this amazing professor from Cornell, um, Professor Emeritus, which uh, ties a little bit to academia on, on a mechanical thing. Uh, you know, uh, Professor Emeritus, uh, they don't get paid, they just get some of the benefits of being uh, a professor. But he's been studying uh, climate change and food. And yes uh and 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 I, i'm the third through the book and you know we're going to lose coffee uh, uh yep. we're going to lose chocolate yep. we're just going to we're going to keep on losing and losing and losing and and maybe we can talk about it next time how many slaps in the face to the species uh, is necessary before we start not for now before we start it's almost like uh the song blowing in the wind you know how many how many miles has the bird has to fly before and uh uh but that's something for next time so but anyway uh you know my my thing on academia is uh it's it's a you you said a a keyword um uh a commercial uh, aspect to it yes yes and, and 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 i've observed in my own little world here in new Jersey. Uh, the battle between academia and, and athletics, uh, mm. and and um, I, I I used to have a whole different approach to it until I taught uh, at Rutgers, and, and and I've swung over to another side. We could talk about that, but anyway, your 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 points about academia are really fascinating, and and I need to promote your philosophy course. Uh, we're kind of well, running out of time, right, Josh? Yeah, well, it-
1: yeah, well it comes to the philosophy course i'll, I'll say that all i can offer you is the truth all it can offer is uh the truth verified and justified um it might not be what you like to hear uh it might not be what you want to hear just like i was younger and i thought this and that uh plato uses a metaphor of of the cave in book seven of, the, of his book uh his seminal work for western culture the the republic uh and he talks about teaching philosophy to people as like dragging them kicking and screaming out out of the cave uh, into the light. Um, I try to minimize that process of the kicking and screaming as much as possible, but uh, I, I I fully admit, uh, as I did today in the in the in the Discord channel where we discuss it, uh, I am definitely no expert in that by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, uh, in clothing it just so and and that that the, the minimal amount of kicking and screaming uh a ruffling the middle amount of ruffling feathers uh, sometimes i'm very blunt and quick and say okay it's this it's that i i'm here i'm here to give you answers not not to not to take four months of of kind of like a psychologist ask well how do you feel about that and letting you come to terms with your feelings i'm here to give quick answers uh correct answers but but i do it i do it usually abruptly so for those people who want to know the truth I can give it to you, I can tell you what the moral truth is, I can tell you exactly how you should live your life, I can tell you exactly how that will be so beneficial and so positive and so joyous for not only yourself and so freeing for not only yourself, but for everybody else. Um, Because there is a moral truth, Uh, of course there is, Uh, and it is it is the most joyous positive. uh, 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 thing that there is. Um, uh, But getting there. Uh, uh, when you think maybe some people might think they already have it can sometimes be a rude awakening. Uh, and so, uh, uh, I, I promise I won't be mean on purpose. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, uh, sadly, I also have to make money and do things to make money. I can't just teach philosophy, uh, all the time. Well, I'll wait until I'm retired. Maybe we'll see.
0: Retirement's great. Uh, <laughs> retirement is wonderful. Uh, um, I've been that for twelve years or so. it's a it's a great it's a great institution if you have the faculties uh, um, and 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 that's why I believe you prepare for retirement when you know you're graduating college, Prepare up here. For that. we can talk about that too uh, uh, because if you do things the right way when it's time to retire, then all things, especially this thing up here, which you know over my shoulder functions full throttle and it allows you to take a lot of journeys in in retirement that you would have never dreamt i can't wait to be continued all right uh where you you've got to move on uh you have an appointment i respect that Uh, i got about
1: 20 minutes left
0: oh good so let's uh i i would love um we started to talk about it um talk a little bit about uh, zombiesbook.com.
1: Yeah, so
0: So, Talk about it. That's your that's your first book, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so that master's degree that that Duncan was so kind to let me take a shot on I I took my shot. And it's developed since then. And it's now the book called The Zombies. And you can download a free PDF version at thezombiesbook.com. No dashes, thezombiesbook.com. I believe that's the URL. And um, as I was mentioning to Calvin in the beginning, uh, before the pre-interview before the, we start recording, you know, in, in, in one hand, I'm very proud of it, uh, uh, because technically it is perfect technical philosophy, uh, in in my opinion, and I've had hundreds of readers go through it to try to find flaws, none of them have, it. none of them can, in terms of technical philosophy, and these are other PhDs as well. Uh, were they convinced? No, because that's that's the problem with philosophy right now is that they feel that they need to be convinced, like it's a rhetoric, like it's a rhetorical argument. They don't have the capacity uh, to actually parse a a logical argument and realize, ah, it was valid and sound, there were no flaws, therefore I must believe it, because that's what a philosopher is, and that's what philosophy is. Uh, That's not how they teach it anymore, right? The philosophy departments currently, as they they stand in most universities, in most places, uh, especially in the West, uh, when you get into Europe, it's it's a bit better, uh, there are no philosophers left. There's no people who know philosophy left. We have never been dumber. Our species has never been this philosophically stupid. All the intelligence has been pushed into technology and into science, who know how to do a thing very, very well, but they do not at all know why to do it. And they cannot even come close to justifying why to do it. And the only thing that rules there is the almighty dollar. That is, as you've already brought up, highly, highly dangerous for our species. Billions of people are going to die sooner than they need to billions of people right. because of plutocracy correct the sword will be climate crisis they, they will call it uh what do they call it now shipping chain problems which is another way of saying it can't grow there anymore because now there's just droughts and oh we can't get the ships there because now there's hurricanes and oh uh the rich want to buy it and so now instead of it costing ten dollars for a bottle it costs a hundred dollars for a bottle uh millions and millions of people will die in the first world don't just think this will be a third world problem In the U S and Canada, people will be starving on the streets. It'll be as it'll be the thirties depression, if not worse. And that'll happen in 20, 30 years. It's already happening now. You you already see it now, um, but on that happy note, (laughs) but, uh, uh, so the (laughs) zombies solves that. I saw this coming miles away. I saw this coming miles away. I saw this coming in the nineties when I was a teenager. I, when, I, when I finally learned the capitalistic system in the 90s as a teenager, now you could say I was a jaded Gen Xer, and I certainly was, but uh, when I saw the system capitalism and consumerism I said well this can't, this is not maintainable, like as a teenager I couldn't, but of course I could never understand what people are doing because I'm autistic, and the world is decidedly neurotypical, uh, and I'm looking like well you can't do this, you can't, you can't just keep consuming, the, 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 it's a finite planet. You can't just keep dumping pollution in the atmosphere. It doesn't go into space and disappear. It's a finite planet. It's a box. You need to manage the resources over time. The input and the output needs to be managed and parceled over time. Uh, we're consuming now like it's 1999, right? We're consuming now like it's the, like it just magically comes from anywhere. And of course, for the, for the for the, plut- for the plutocrats, for the capitalists, it does. That's why they are so interested in space exploration, so they can get out to those meteors and they get out to the moon, they can get out to Mars, and they can keep mining stuff there and just keep consumerism going. Uh, Not of the same consumable goods, of course, but they will keep consumerism going. The rich only care about the rich living, they don't care about, and the rest of us dying, and they know very well we're going to die, they don't care. Um, Until government makes them care, and government is sadly completely corrupt and uh, at the behest of the plutocrats and so we are going to have a major major problem and the zombies addresses this with the single point of failure i have i could boil down society and i looked at all the collapses of all the last few thousand societies uh the average uh a, the average uh, lifespan for society by the way is 250 to 300 years i have a graph in the bbc to prove that Every single society we've ever tried has always has all failed every single one we've tried has all failed why i can bring it down to a few single points of failure with the biggest one one point of failure is the addiction the addictive quality of money power and prestige and because money and power and prestige is loaded uh lauded upon those who rule the society therefore those who rule society are uh, become like meth addicts have you ever seen a meth addict on tv missing the teeth and crazy and can't control themselves that's exactly who Elon Musk is. It's exactly who Jeff Bezos is. It's exactly what the politicians who are obsessed uh, at money are. Their souls look like those meth addicts. They are hopelessly addicted to money, power, prestige, and perhaps the the women and the and the drugs that come along with it. And that conglomerate of money, power, and prestige is one single point of failure. Every society we try will fail because of that, unless you address that. But that's not even the main one the the second single point of failure which is even more important is education uh, and this is not me saying this, this is plato saying this this is this is, this is uh, sun tzu saying this, this is the daode jing saying this is confucius saying this this is every great mind who has ever existed saying this the single human problem is a problem of education education is both the single human problem and the single human solution you don't want climate change to happen educate them so that it doesn't it is humans are nothing but programmable machines, people are not that strange people are not that i'm sorry people are not that unique people are not that diverse we're all sheep we are sheeple. we are programmable sheeple and humans only do what they are programmed to do. Quite frankly, after learning hypnosis I know this to be true, for a fact, after learning psychology I know this to be true, for a fact, after learning philosophy, I know this to be true, for a fact, after watching human beings and what they do, I know this to be true for a fact. In the individual uh people can seem very different and you don't know why they did this and why they did that but it's not random there's no such thing as random randomness is a bankrupt concept it doesn't exist there's no such thing as random uh, it's it's a, you talked about schrodinger's cat and i can solve that right now schrodinger's cat is an epistemological problem not an ontological problem any good scientist takes it as an epistemological problem the question is not whether the cat is alive or dead in the box is that how do we know whether the cat is alive or dead in the box and we don't know it could be alive it could be dead it's you know we'll have to check but when you check reality is determined there is no such thing as quantum randomness it doesn't exist it's an epistemological problem it's a problem of testing when we fire a light at a particle it moves it changes that's a problem of testing that's not a, that, that that doesn't mean the universe is random that was an idea introduced by frederick nietzsche in the late 1800s and for his sole purpose of destroying liberal democracy because he thought we were cloing virtue signaling whiny woke people and he is right we are <laughs> largely and he wanted to destroy us and heidegger picked it up and the nazis almost succeeded quite frankly in the physical it, sense but yes, they his did. psyop yeah but his psyop attack which still existed and was never dealt with uh, is destroying liberal democracy and that's why we don't think there's any moral truth that's why he did it because if you rob a group of their reason for why they're doing what they're doing they, they inevitably conflict splinter fight and can get nowhere Education deals with all of that. But that's not even the biggest single point of failure. That's not even the biggest bottleneck. The single point of failure for every single society is the one Nietzsche tried to rob us of because he knew this and he wanted to destroy us. As he fully admits, I'm not speaking at a turn here. Ask any Nietzschean scholar. They will say, oh yeah, Nietzsche wanted to destroy us, hands down, for sure, because he thought we were ugly and he didn't like us. It is the moral truth. It is hard enough to get a group of people to agree on how to do a thing. It is impossible to get them to agree on anything unless they agree as to why we are doing a thing. And the answer to the question why is the moral truth. It is the teleological concept. The Greek word telos means purpose or goal. It means what we ascribe in terms of a procedural sense that the value of what it is we're doing and why we are doing it. Nietzsche robbed us of of that on purpose because he knew it would destroy us. And we cannot agree on why we do a thing. Right now it breaks down into left-wing values or right-wing values, all secretly under the behest of plutocracy. Everything is for the almighty dollar. Why are we educated? To get a job, the almighty dollar. So we could be wage slaves to the plutocrats. Slavery didn't disappear. It just cloaked into wage slavery. And the rich actually don't care racism is, is a huge problem don't get me wrong and i'm a white straight guy talking so take that with a giant green assault but racism is 10% a problem in our society plutocracy and classism is 90% the problem in our society. The the rich want to enslave poor white trash as much as they want any BIPOC. And they keep the debates in the left and right to those surface levels so that the left never stops and the right never stops and looks at each other and says, I know what the problem is. It's those effing rich people at the top. The single point of failure that changes all of that that I write about in the zombies. And so we're all zombies educated with all of this. The single point of failure is teaching them the true moral truth. If you teach them the permanent universal moral truth that you can rely upon 100% of the time, 100% in any culture 100% objective, easy enough you can educate it to a child, and it is, and I do, then you can cohere everybody into why we're doing a thing, and everyone gets coherence in their activity of what they're doing and why they're doing it. The optimality of, of our actions, scientifically, mathematically, procedurally speaking, increases exponentially, because we're all on the same page as to why we're doing it. Now we can still disagree as to how to best accomplish the why but at least we agree as to why. But there's a problem. You might be like, well Josh, with a thing that's so useful. The moral truth is the most useful truth of all the truths. How whoop de do? What? Who who cares? Why is the question we all ask since you were two. Why? Why daddy? Why mommy? Why this? Why that? Why 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 why. Why do they keep asking it so much because it is the most important question. And is the most annoying in your brain when you're not getting an answer that is valid in the sound. Why daddy? B- because leave me alone. And we just stop asking eventually from that abuse, quite frankly, but there's the, what, so what's the problem? So with, with something so practically effective, so, 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 theor- so, so useful on every single level of politics and society, personally, psychologically, why? Cause it would make everyone deliriously happy. To know who they are, why they're doing a thing, and to fit and to be in a place, and to know who they are and why and what they're gonna do. Why is it we don't know this yet? Humans are very smart. We've existed for 300,000 years genetically, give or take. Why is this not common knowledge to everyone? Why do we have different interpretations? We have the liberal democratic interpretation. They can't even prove that human rights are self evident, they hold them is self-evident that's not the same as proving they are self-evident and i got news for you everybody else out of the west doesn't believe human rights are self-evident and they don't respect them and why should they we haven't even proven it we need something deeper and more tangible to get the entire world on the same page why can't we do that and it's this is the reason why we are zombies is because of something i call the virus you mentioned earlier, I can't remember if it was in the, uh, the, the podcast or the pre-interview, uh, about a movie about a virus that changes everyone into zombies. That is true. That is true. That has actually happened and it's happened since the dawn of language. But it's a computer virus running on the oldest computers in the universe, the smartest computers in the universe so far until AI changes that. Our minds. It is a language virus, a linguistic virus, that both Sun Tzu and Socrates both equally warn about. Be careful ingesting new ideas. It's, it's, it's direct from Socrates and implied from Sun Tzu, but, but be careful ingesting ideas because they can infect you. They can be virally seductive to believe in. And what's the virus? And this is what I talked about in my master's degree. What I realized when I was sitting there in those Friday symposiums at Dalhousie, and I realized, oh, this is the reason why all these idiots can't figure this out. Again, I was very young, and so I said, I thought the words idiots. They're, of course, not idiots. They're great people. But they are infected with a virus. It's the virus of objective prescriptivity. Objective, thinking that morality has to be, an ethics, all ethics, all morality, all ritual propriety, to use Confucius's words, uh, transliterated, That morality writ large in any way, shape, or form, any any code of conduct, any normativity, needs to be both objective, like geometry, like the rules of geometry, or math, distinct from us, non-subjective, reliable, extrinsic to metaphysical to physical reality, and any people who have opinions in physical reality, and it needs to be prescriptive, and that's the problem. What does prescriptive mean it means you can prescribe to others what they should do and shouldn't do that you can prescribe to others what is right or wrong that you can prescribe to others what is good or bad that they just have to listen to and if you're being honest with yourself and you think about it that is very seductive because that is the power of god people like to take on the power of a a divinity or god by saying you can't do that that's wrong that's right it is bossiness writ large it is so virally seductive it is virtue signaling it is wagging your finger at other people and we love to wag our finger at other people i just did it there i called those guys idiots right we are all infected by this virus innocently it's it's encoded in our stories it's encoded in our norms it's encoded in our language it's encoded in every single major language it is as far back as i could read it's in the sanskrit stories of Gilgamesh, or at least the translations, I could read of them, I didn't learn Sanskrit, and quite frankly learning Sanskrit as Nietzsche knew, Nietzsche knew was something like 12 languages, that's why he was, were destroyed, because he was a genius, he was smarter than all of us, but together, talk about NeuroSpicy. Um, uh, even if I tried to learn Sanskrit, or, or, or now, it would be translated through my current paradigms of understanding anyway, and so whether or not objective prescriptivity was writ large Embedded in their their code of conduct concept, their theological concept, their morality concept, I would I would I would translate it through that lens anyway, right? Because it's so virally seductive. But here's the problem: objective prescriptivity is unjustifiable, and it has always been, and that's why we've never solved it for five thousand years, because we're all infected with this virus and didn't realize we're infected with it. Although some philosophers have, I'm echoing some other philosophers, right? But those philosophers never realized the solution. They just thought all morality is impossible because you can never prove something objectively prescriptive. Murder is, well, that's a very contentious one. Lying is wrong. Just take a look at that sentence. Josh is a human. Okay, that's a fact. You can check my DNA. You can look at me. I appear to be human. You can prove that. Lying is wrong. How do you prove that? You can't you simply cannot prove that why because that sentence purports to be self-evident when it is just not and this is what i realized in my master's degree right uh, uh take the sentence lying is lying that is true that's called a truism x is x y is y one is equal to one those are all truisms those are we know those are true statements and they are necessarily 100 objectively true because they're referring to themselves right just because of the form of the language josh is josh yeah josh is josh lying is lying yep lying is lying x is x i could have said y is y it's just the form of the sentence that proves that is self-evident that's what self-evidence means lying is wrong x is y is not self-evident at best it is evident if you go and see the evidence it cannot be inferred from any other self-evident proposition. It cannot be inferred from any other self-evident truism because every single self-evident truism always has to form and must have the form X is X. And people will say, yeah, lying is lying. And in that second line connotes for them, it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. It should make you feel bad, blah, 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 blah. None of that applies. None of that is true. So I'm sorry, I'm getting very, That's pretty technical philosophy, but it is true. And so in the zombies, I prove that. I show that I go through painstaking detail, satisfying all philosophers throughout history. That I could think of, uh, uh, how that is the case. And it's just that simple. And that's why we've missed it because on, on the path of philosophy, we're, we're at the hundred meter end of the dash. We didn't notice at the very start that there was a little sign that said, this is all wrong. Stop. A tiny little tag on the ground. We didn't notice we ran hundred meters we're like, we can't figure it out a hundred meters down the road. Cause we just didn't see that little tag saying this is not self evident. You sh- you can stop now. Lying is wrong, cannot be proven in the objective, prescriptive sense. And that is what destroys every single society. Because if you can't prove what morality is, eventually it will inevitably lead to conflict, splintering, just like every religion is splintered because they couldn't agree, because there's nothing to prove. And every social group splinters because they can't agree, because they can't prove it. Because they are looking uh, like, like a broken brain, like a broken computer, just waiting for input. They're waiting for the, the solution to the objective prescriptive morality that they all are virally seduced into believing that is the entire paradigm of morality. There is no other kind of morality other than thou shalts and 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 deonticism of uh, uh, duty. Your duty is to this and I'm a boss and I can just tell you and, and this is right or wrong. And that virally seductive thing is what keeps us there. So, and sadly, I've got to run, but in yeah. the zombies, I show how there is another kind of morality. That is as old as time, and it's called subjective predictive, and it shows what is ideal. It shows what is optimal, factually speaking. It shows what is good, what is positive, what is joyous. And it shows how objective prescriptivity can never be proven, but unlike some other philosophers who have also seen this and then declared, therefore, there's no morality, I say, of course, there's morality. We can resolve what those sentences mean, and I do. Uh, uh, And I do that both in the book The Zombies uh, in, a, in a very clinical, technical, philosophical sense with high detail. And for the lay person who's not a philosopher, I do it also in the book called Dao Agathos, which if anyone wants to access these books, join my free philosophy club uh, or email me at com, and I'd be happy to send them to you, where I show how morality is radically positive. I'm a radical optimist. Not only does negativity not exist, not only is pessimism the wrong choice, pessimism is literally wrong, logically speaking. It's nonsense to be a pessimist, and that's what I—I'll uh, just have to leave you there, not cliffhanger. That's what I prove in those uh, in Agathos. and that's uh, there is a morality, uh, and I prove it both in the Zombies and Agathos, and it is positive and it is joyous. It can be proven, and it can cohere us all into society and save society from collapsing.
0: Done, for now. <laughs> Done for now. You know, I, I'm taking notes. I've got pages of notes just to listen to you so i got to do my homework and plunge into this uh everybody uh this is all going to be continued to be continued we're going to branch out into so many other different things anybody has any suggestions for us to talk about mostly josh not me uh, i'm a note taker uh i don't know what that means but i'm a great note taker so be it um you you filled my mind uh, and soul uh, and i can't thank you enough uh and i thank the universe for you know the, the bringing us of- together uh you got to run um we're gonna sign off we're back in a couple of weeks for more this is great stuff i am going to promote uh the free philosophy course Uh, i'm signing off stay stay for a 30 second wrap
1: sure thing thanks folks i was very happy to be here and we'll talk to you next time
0: perfect